Welcome to episode two of Nostalgia Mixtape, a podcast that celebrates all things that give us nostalgic feels from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, as well as new pop culture events with a throwback twist. I'm your host, Ty Gooden. What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Christina. And today we'll be talking about music and fashion from the 2000s. But before we get into today's episode, please make sure you follow us on all the socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Nostalgia Mixpod. And you can also keep the conversation going with the hashtag Nostalgia Mix Pod if you have any reactions to what we're saying or if you want to contribute more to the conversation. Um, you can find us on iTunes. Yay, we're there now. Podbean. <laughs> and our WordPress page, which is nostalgiamixpod.wordpress.com. Um, you can also shoot us an email if you want to. We are at nostalgiamixpod at gmail.com. Um, we're working on getting everything on Google Play, but... I'll include a RSS feed link in the show notes for today, and that'll help you get it downloaded to your device if you don't have an Apple. So we'll go ahead and get started today. And Christina, what do you have for us for your nostalgia recap? So just two things that I wanted to mention today. Um, you know, we drop our podcast on Thursday, but we record on Monday. And today is officially nine years since we lost the king of pop, Michael Jackson. Oh. Um, I remember where I was. I was at work bartending. Uh back in the day when uh, I got the news on CNN that he had passed away. Um, I probably started crying uh, just because Michael Jackson has had a profound impact on me and so many other people that I know were pretty upset at the time. Um, I spent the rest of my day after work, like watching his videos on YouTube um, just because like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. He was one of those people that I thought was always going to be around and like, you know, it just, it just proves to you that like, you know, life is short. Um, you never know when you're going to go. Um, and it just made me sad. But today I celebrate him and celebrate his life and his legacy and all the things, all the amazing music he let out and all the amazing music videos that he did. Like Smooth Criminal is my favorite song and video by him. I remember watching it actually not too long ago with a friend of mine because um, that video is just amazing. The dancing, the white suit with the blue tie and like the lean, yes, which I, I tried to do, but couldn't. <laughs> like, um, just so many things where like you think of Michael Jackson, it's not just one thing. You think of so many, like all of his videos and all of his music and all of his tours and how people flipped out um, every time they saw him, whether it be on TV or on tour or whatnot. Um, so we just, I just wanted to start off with that. Um, we celebrate his legacy. We celebrate what he means for black people. Um, and you know, I miss him. I wish I could bring him back, but here we are. Yeah, I think uh, everybody remembers where they were. I was uh, pregnant at the time and I was actually at home. I was off work that day. And when it came up across the screen, like I immediately just, and, and part of that was probably the hormones too. But I think a lot of it, like you said, is just how much he meant to all of us as an entertainer and I mean somebody that you're talking about just crossing across generational lines and everything I love Michael Jackson my mom loved him my grandmother loved him I mean it's just he had something for everyone he was just so immensely talented and um for me it was kind of sad in a way because he spent so much of his life in this bubble this media bubble with all of this stuff constantly going on and you know having to feel like he had to keep his kids in a bubble and um you know it's just it, it seems so even now it's just so unreal like you really can't believe that he's gone because I just thought he would be around 20 30 years from now still mentoring people still producing records and writing and everything and so to lose right. him so young it's just it's 
like I said, it's still, when you think about it, it's like, wow, it's really been nine years. It's so shocking. Um, yeah, it's definitely not something that like you saw coming because I mean, at the time that we found out about his passing, you know, he was working on getting ready to go out on tour. Like there was no signs of, I mean, yeah, he was definitely getting up there in age, but like he was still out there dancing and singing and carrying it on. And like, even if you watch like This Is Us, the documentary about that tour that he was supposed to be going on, like, yeah, he was an old man, but he was still out there getting it with the best of them and like running around with them young kids that he had as his background dancers and like telling them what to do and like just being on top of everything. And it's just, again, you just never know, <laughs> like never, never, ever know uh, when it's going to be your time. But again, like I said, we just are here to celebrate him and his legacy. Um, and I'm glad to have been around to experience it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, but on top of that, uh, one of my favorite Disney movies and probably like a lot of our peers' favorite Disney movies, uh, The Lion King came out 24 years ago this week um, in theaters. Um, it's a profound movie. Um, it's basically, you know, a uh, take on a Shakespeare play with animals from, you know, the African jungle. Um, it's a great movie. Um, it makes me sad every time I watch it. Um, whenever I see it on like the Disney channel, I like automatically tune in to whatever's going on. It doesn't matter if I've missed like half the movie, I'm still going to watch the rest of The Lion King if it's on TV. Um, I can't believe it's been 24 years already. Coming up on 25, it makes me feel a little old. Um, but it also brings back happy memories because I remember watching a lot of it with like my little brother and sister, um, Isaiah and Chelsea. They basically grew up on that movie or Actually, it came out a little bit before both of them were born, but I remember, you know, having like the 10th anniversary, anniversary edition of the DVD and watching it with them and then like watching The Lion King one and a half and The Lion King 2, which is also a really good movie if you haven't seen it. Um, but uh, yeah, I can't believe it's been 24 years already. I am also in disbelief that we're doing a remake, which I don't necessarily think that we need because the first one was perfect. Right. But, you know, here we are, you know. The, the remake is the live the action one. <laughs> yeah, it's the live action one, right? Yeah, they're basically doing what they did with the Jungle Book, which the Jungle Book remake was really good still, but I don't necessarily know we need a live action version of all the Disney movies. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't get it to make new stories, I guess. Right. Uh, and if you're going to do it, at least cast the people that can sing, because it's one of the main reasons why I didn't watch Beauty and the Beast. No offense to the woman that played Hermione Granger, but she's not a singer. So why she was Belle, I'm not entirely sure. But here we are. But Lion King, one of the greatest Disney movies of all time, probably the greatest Disney movie of all time, definitely my favorite. Um, and again, it makes me feel old that it's been that long. But it brings back happy memories, which is, you know, what we're all about here. Yeah, I mean, and it goes right back to kind of how this podcast even exists in the first place is that wave of nostalgia that people feel so you know even though some of us are kind of eh, on some reboots or remakes and sequels and all of that stuff or whatever i mean there's a there's a market out there for it there are people that want to bring those stories back and relive them and see them reimagined and everything so we'll we'll see how it goes i watched beauty and the beast and uh yeah it was a thing my oldest daughter, Genesis, was not impressed. She fell asleep on it. So, <laughs> Yikes. so I, I don't know. I mean, that that's saying something. It was for somebody, I'm sure. But that somebody yeah. was not us. 
but that's um, not me. Yeah. I remember um, I work in a movie theater, and it's probably since I started working for this particular company the busiest weekend we've ever had. That tops like all of the Marvel movies and stuff like that that have come out in the last few years. I, like if I remember correctly, we sold out like twenty five showings within a weekend, and it was just like a domino effect like one showing would sell out and so then it would just continue to go down and down and down until the day and like people would be coming at like two o'clock hey can we come see like the seven o'clock nope you're gonna have to buy tickets for like the 10 o'clock you're gonna have to come tomorrow it was ridiculous how many people were coming to see that movie um i i didn't get it but i'm never gonna be mad at disney trying to make their money so you know somebody saw it but i still i refuse yeah, I mean, if I did, if Genesis didn't want to see it, I probably wouldn't have seen it. I mean, the Beauty and the Beast is okay. It's never been one of my favorites or anything. Like, it's a thing and it exists, but it's not something that I would have went and gone and seen on my own. Like, she asked me to take her to go see it. So that's kind of how I ended up in that. It, it had nothing to do with any kind of nostalgia feels <laughs> for me at right. all. Like, like, I was just kind of like, eh. It was cool. cool. This is totally going off on the Hawaiian King thing, but uh, the manager at my theater let like a school group that was doing Beauty and the Beast, their like school play, come in and sing a couple of the songs from the pl- from the movie um, in our theater, like in the lobby while people were coming in, which was great. Um, they were extremely talented, and it sounded amazing. And kind of you know, at least for me, kept my spirits up while dealing with people who were coming to see the movie and people that were you know angry about the fact that there were too many people or that it was busy and that every show was sold out and stuff like that like it 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 helped me a lot to see to hear those songs Uh, so you know shout out to my boss for doing that that's sweet that's sweet well i should have said this in the beginning but if i sound a little lispy today it's because i had some dental work done and it was done on my front teeth so i am still trying to and i i mean i literally had that done a few hours ago um but the way that this week is kind of set up for both Christina and I, I had to record today. So if I sound a bit lispy, that's probably why, because I'm trying to learn how to talk properly <laughs> with all the, with the okay. teeth work that I just had done. Um, but as far as my nostalgia recap, uh, first thing I saw out there. So I follow Kale Mitchell, whom I think if you're under the age of 40, I think everybody knows Kale, you know. Who loves orange soda? Kale loves orange soda. <laughs> Orange soda did Kale's body good because Kale fine. Like, I mean, he was cute when we were younger, but Kale's super fine now, which is why, which is why I'm following on Instagram. I mean, not just to look at him, but I'm also curious to know what Kale is up to and what he's doing. Kale is actually doing a 90s tour um, and it's called Totally 90s. It's a bar crawl thing that they do in different cities. Um, And he did one. I think Father's Day weekend, he was out in Atlanta, but the one he did this past weekend was in Chicago, which if I'm not mistaken, is his hometown. And so basically it works just like any other bar bar crawl. You pay a certain amount, you get a wristband, and then you hop around from, you know, different select bars that they have, but it's a totally 90s theme. So the, um, I guess like the promo video or whatever they had, had, you know, they were playing some Backstreet Boys in the background, some Spice Girls. Ooh. Everybody had on their, you know, Dwayne Wayne shades and their um, overalls and everything. And so people were just hopping around from bar to bar. Like, it's totally for people our age, <laughs> you know, like late 20s, you know, 30s and everything like that, where they would go out and enjoy that. And so Kel was kind of one of the main attractions there. So I thought that was really cool. And plus, I I don't know, I just really like Kel anyway. I think him and Kenan don't really get enough credit for having they really don't. consistent 
good careers, they have a lane. They stay in their lane. They know their lane. And they have been like constantly working pretty much since the 90s. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very, very proud of them, them you know, to so see them going, going from, from like, all that back in the 90s, which we used to watch religiously to like now, you know, Keenan is on uh, SNL and has been there killing it. I recently spent some time with my older sister um, watching him play LeVar Ball on the weekend update, which is absolutely and totally hilarious. Um, and Kel's just doing his thing kind of low key, but I'm, I'm very happy that the both of them have never done that, you know, that kid teen star thing where they go crazy and have their moments where like you know the world is kind of falling apart around them they both kind of remain consistent and you know on the straight narrow path and i'm like i could not be more grateful for their success and i'm pretty sure you know they feel the same way like they've done their thing and they've done it well and i like kudos props all the things to them um yeah well you know it's like i was saying they just they know what they're good at, the type of comedy they're good at. They know what their audience wants to see and everything. So it's not like Keenan's like, you know, well, I'm, I think he's 40 or something like that. You know, I'm 40 now, so I'm going to go out and do some Eddie Murphy Raw type deal. Like he knows that's not his lane. That's out there. That's for right. somebody, but it's not for him. And he's been on Saturday Night Live for like 15 years or something. Like 14, 15 years. It's been that long. Yeah, he's been there for quite some time. Yeah. And Kel's actually on... um there's a show on, I think it comes on Disney, I believe, called Game Shakers that my kids watch. And he plays a dad on that show. Like he's, there are these two kids that came together and they created this video app and they accidentally used like one of his songs without like, you know, copyright, without copyright or whatever. And so he ended up investing in their business, but it's a really cute, funny show. My kids love it. And so like when they see Kel, they see him as the character Double G. But when I see Kel, I just see him as Kel. So it's, you know, it's so funny when I watch TV with them like that, or if we watch a... Uh, Casey Undercover, like Casey's dad is Dwayne Wayne to me, but they just see him as Casey Undercover's dad. So it's so cute, like how they've, especially with, you know, with Kel in particular, how he's kind of touching different generations. So, you know, right. he was a big part of our childhood growing up and stuff like that. And now my kids know him and they love him and they're laughing at him. And so for him to provide laughs for generations of kids is really dope. Um, and another thing I saw out there was one-on-one, -on -one, the TV show with uh, Kyla Pratt, Flex Alexander. Mm -hmm. They're actually going to bring that to Bounce TV, not rebooting it, but they're just going to bring it back and start airing some of those old episodes. And I actually really oh, like, okay. yeah, I like one on one. I feel like it didn't, like it kind of fell under the radar. It did. It did. I, I didn't, didn't necessarily, necessarily watch, watch it like, like all of the time. Um, like it wasn't like a show where if it came on on Tuesday, I would watch it every Tuesday. Right. But I definitely watched enough of it to like enjoy it. Um, I like the concept of you know him, you know Flex Alexander and his daughter. Um, you know, just growing up and trying to learn and grow with each other and, you know, have this nice father-daughter relationship um, and all the, you know, hijinks that go along with that. Flex out with is an absolute fool. Um, but that's what we love about it. <laughs> so I am actually kind of excited to see it come back because that's definitely a show that I would uh, watch, the, watch the reruns of. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch it, even though, I don't know, I just wish there would be... I still want a streaming service, man. If they can get a streaming service, put put one on one, you know, shows like that, put Moesha, put Girlfriends, put The Fresh Prince, put all of those places in one streaming service. Like I will pay whatever it is that you want me to pay to have that every month, just to be able to stream all of those all of those um, sitcoms and everything in one place. Right. Like you would think that, like I don't know, BET maybe would have like found that niche and been like, okay, we're going to 
you know, buy the rights to all these shows so we could have like a block of television where we show them. Um, or again, create their own streaming service, like you said, where you have all of those shows together. Um, it's definitely a niche that needs to be filled, um, but you just got to have the right people and the, you know, the money to back it. But I mean, if you build it, you will come because I know I would love to sit there and watch all those shows like I would probably never turn my TV on if that streaming service exists. <laughs> yeah, you can sit there and just watch that stuff over and over again. I mean, because a lot of the episodes are, are just classics. Like, I mean, you know, it's funny. You laugh at them. You just love it. Sorry, my phone went off. Um, but uh, yeah, I am actually kind of excited to see the show come back. Like I said, it's cute. It's adorable. Um not a whole lot of drama going on. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one-on-one, even though they're bringing back the original, there's uh, Nickelodeon's actually doing something a little different. They are rebooting Double Dare. See, that was my show back in the day. Right. I now, love that, show. that is something that I can actually get behind and I'll actually watch because, I mean, they'll be sliming each other. You got two teams going head to head. The big nose that they used to bring out. You uh, pick the nose. The nose is my favorite part. Because <laughs> it seemed like when they're doing, you know, the final challenge, when they have to do like the obstacle course, like nobody can find the flag in the nose. Like, I don't understand what it is, but it always seemed to be like the hardest thing in the little obstacle course. Right. Was to find the flag in the nose. And so I think it's really cute that they're bringing that back. Like, I'm not a big, again, I'll probably say that a million times. I'm not a big reboot or remake fan or anything like that. And so if they were like remaking one-on-one, I would have been like, nah, I'm good, bro. Uh, no. But Double Dare, a game show, that to me, that's a little bit different than like a scripted series, sitcom, something like that or whatever, because you could still bring back that same concept. Kids love gross things. I mean, right? we love gross things. My kids love gross things. So I'll definitely be, be checking that out on Nickelodeon and kind of seeing how it goes. Um, Nickelodeon can, can bring, bring that back. Yeah, they, they can, can bring, bring back, back Legends, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Temple. Yes. I don't know what. I don't know <laughs> what so, speaking of things, speaking of the big nose, like I don't understand what was so hard about putting a little monkey statue together. It was three pieces, and it seemed like every single episode, the kid decided that they wanted to struggle and like take the longest. Pieces time were falling all over the place, like, and I'm like, is it really that, that hard? hard? I mean, it's are you just is it TV nerves or what are you doing up there? Did they, Did they tell y'all to make, make it look, look so complicated? Because it seemed like it was, like, the most complicated. It made it feel like they were having to put, like, a thousand piece puzzle together. Right. But it was three pieces. Like, it's there's a head, there's a body, and there's a feet. Like, what? I totally forgot about that until you said that. They can bring back that. They can bring back Wild and Crazy Kids. Um, which yes. is like a big like field day show, which is just ridiculous, but also so much fun. And they can bring back was it was it called the Crag, the one where it was like the kids version of American Gladiators, where they had the big rock they had to climb at the end of it. They I don't remember the name of that one, but I I remember the show that you're talking about. Uh, that show was awesome too. Bring that back as well. Like just bring back all the game shows from Nickelodeon. I'll host one of them. I'm, totally cool with that um but yeah, yeah let's let's let's, let's bring, bring it back, back. Those, those those days, days were, were so, so much fun and we're adding that to your list of things that you're trying to do <laughs> so i'm just gonna do a just a continuing list of things that christina's trying to do or wants to do at some point in her life like be a muse <laughs> right <laughs> now you want to host a game show on nickelodeon but yeah i can sure, see bring it back a t bring it back a you know just a game show or something like that is completely different than trying to reboot a sitcom because i mean i think that 
certain sitcoms, they just, they work well because of the era that they fall into. Right. The humor so a certain way, people interact with each other a certain way back in like the 90s or maybe the early 2000s and they don't interact the same way anymore. So you can't really recapture and recreate that magic because it was something magical about that particular time that it came out. Yep, but you know, I have good thoughts and like high hopes for this Double Dare, I guess, reboot. I don't know what word we're going to use there. Um, I'm excited to see it. Um, I would like to see, you know, all the classics like the big nose and the slide and all that stuff. Um, the original host is coming back, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and I'm excited to see some of the new things they do. Um, I know they've probably got some things cooking up, so I'll be tuning in. I mean, I'm probably too old to be watching Nickelodeon, but who gonna stop me? You're never too old to watch Nickelodeon. Never too old. I mean, I still watch like the Rugrats and stuff when it comes on late at night because that's my favorite like Nickelodeon show ever. And Doug and I think they show like Hey Arnold too. Um, so I love yeah, hey Arnold. I'll be there. Yep, I'll be watching it. Be watching it right along with you. Well, we'll go ahead and get into today's topic, um, which I said at the beginning of the show was 2000s music and fashion. Um, you know, I think the 2000s for, at least for myself, I can't speak for Christine. I think it was such a pivotal decade in my life because I, I literally turned 13 in the year 2000. And then by 2009, I graduated college and um, had my first child. So, I mean, you're talking about such a big difference that nine to 10 years makes in your life. You know, I literally came of age. I went through college. I started kind of coming into my own and coming into adulthood and everything throughout the 2000s. So, you know, I think every aspect of this decade, not just music and fashion, like we'll talk about today, but there will be so many things that we'll be able to talk about because it was such an important and key time in our life. Oh, yeah, that was definitely like the like from 2000 to 2009 or 10 was definitely like a pivotal time for me. You know, that was getting out of middle school and going into high school and then going into college. And, you know, it was kind of a moment of seeing some of my favorite artists at their peak, um, which was a great time to see, you know, again, we talked about me being a Backstreet Boys fan and those were kind of their years where they were on top of the world and everywhere you turn, they were everywhere. Um, and then kind of having to see some of my favorite artists, I would take a step back from the limelight of fall from grace a little bit and so on and so forth. Um, you know, but then again, also seeing them rebound. Um, it was definitely a big learning lesson um, to see them go through some growing pains at that time because um, they had been in the game for so long. Like, you know, 2007 was the year that Britney Spears had her, you know, infamous breakdown where she shaved her hair off and uh, everything just was kind of changing for her. Right. Um, you know, my favorite Backstreet Boy went to rehab in that era as well. That was uh, right when I got to high school. That was like 2000, 2001. Um, but at the same time, again, they rebounded right after that. You know, AJ got out of rehab and went back on tour. And they have released some of their best music since. Um, Britney Spears, right after that whole situation, came out with the Blackout album, which to me is probably one of her best albums. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just fun to see how, you know, you start in 2000, 2001 and where you end up in 2010. And now, you know, it's 2018, you know, the artists that we've seen have done some amazing things since then. And even us as individuals have done some amazing things since then. Like we've been friends, me and you have been friends for seven years and, you know, you've had another child, you've gotten married, you know, 
I've done, I graduated from school finally and have done so many other fun things since then. So, you know, the 2000s, the early 2000s are definitely a uh, era of a lot of growth for not only us, but the people that we watch and admire. Um, so definitely kind of like a, a turning point or like a pivotal time in our in both of our lives were the 2000s. Yeah, that Blackout album. You know what? You could take that and play it all the way through. And it's really mm-hmm. not a whole lot of albums out there that you can do that with. And I think so many people overlooked that that Britney era there because of so many things that were going on in her personal life. It kind of overshadowed what she had going on, but she had right. great production up there. She had uh, Carrie Hilson jumped on there and wrote a few songs for her, you know, and that's somebody else. Break the Ice. Yeah, Break the Ice is the best song on the album, in my opinion. I mean, I know everybody else has got different opinions and stuff, but that's my favorite. And, you know, I don't think Carrie really gets enough credit either for being a great songwriter and being able to just really craft a, a good pop song. Yeah, yeah, this is very true. A lot, a lot of, of those, those artists, artists, and this, this is going off on another tangent, tangent like, like Carrie got so much flack for being, being what people like to consider her being a flop, but like, like she's not a flop, flop because she's right. made probably more money writing songs for other people than she has for herself. And somebody who has a skill of writing, like that's where all the money is in the music industry is writing songs for people. Exactly. So... Y'all can get off her case whenever you are ready to do so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and she co- she's collaborated and worked with so many big names and, and everything. And I think she did well, even in her own right, you know, as an artist and everything. But like you said, that's where all the money and stuff is. I think the whole thing that she fell into was simply, it was just, I don't know, there was just this group of people out there that just felt like anybody who wasn't Beyonce wasn't worthy of a spot or, or a chance or something like that. And so I felt like that kind of played a little bit of a, little bit of a thing into it you know but to me the the 2000s I mean it was just so many black women and so many different genres that were doing great things and really making good music and everything you had um A. Marie her first two albums are were great and I remember when I got my driver's license in 2003 like I had both of them in the CD changer and I used to bump Mm -hmm. those and and the black album and stuff all the time too but I love A. Marie's first two CDs and you know, Mariah Carey, she kind of had had a fall from grace herself or whatever. And she made her yeah. way back in 2005, you know. Um, so she was coming out with really good music and stuff, too. We, we belong together and, you know, just a good string of hits for her at that time. She was looking good. And, you know, I was just really excited to see her come back around that time. And okay. um, we belong together. I was looking at a list of like some of the top songs from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And like the We Belong Together is the top song of that decade like not not just just the the year that it came out but like it's the top song of the entire decade right how big of a song do you have to be to be the biggest song of a decade like if that's not one of the world's greatest rebound stories i don't know what is like i remember watching the episode on trl when she showed up she had like an ice cream cart yes and it was like the middle of july she had like an ice cream cart she was giving out ice cream to people at trl she like Almost took her top off. It was really crazy. Nobody knew. Like, Carson Daly looks scared. He was so confused. Bless him. <laughs> he was like, I have no idea what's happening. Uh, Carson Daly. We got to give it up to Carson Daly. He was around for a lot of those times when our artists were, like, going through some stuff. Like, I also remember the episode when the Backstreet Boys announced that AJ was going to rehab. And I was right. like, Carson has no idea what's going on. He looks very somber. He looks like he's about to cry. Because, you know, he's... He was close to these artists because he had been working with them for so long. Right. Um, and 
I feel like he didn't judge them. He was just like, okay, this is a thing that's happening and you're going to be okay. And, you know, when they came back, he was right there supporting them. So shout out to Carson Daly for being there. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, on the flip side of Carson Daly, you had 106 in part. So you had free and, you know, we were back from Mm -hmm. the free and the AJ days and stuff. And that was the one thing that I loved about them was bringing on those artists, giving them that time to shine, really taking and putting a few artists on the map. They knew that that's where they could come and debut their new video. And I mean, I remember looking forward to watching 106 and Park, trying to see what was new, what was next, looking for the performances and everything. I I do. I I love that show so much. And it just I don't know, after free and AJ left it, it just wasn't quite the same. It really wasn't. like no offense to Roxy and Terrence J, I think yeah. they were they were hosting together. Yeah, and then you know at one point they let Bow Wow host, which they shouldn't have done when they did it. I think they should have let him host earlier, just because he was like unofficially Mister One Hundred Six in part. But I, right, I think that time was kind of over by the time they let him host, and the show was like, we need to not do this anymore. Um, but, you know, so many artists performed then. Like, that was, you know, Aaliyah was on before uh, right. her unfortunate passing. Um, and that was a big deal. She was debuting. She was either performing or debuting a video from, like, her last album, Aaliyah, um, which right. was her best album also. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, like, I remember I keep seeing the video of Genuine performing uh, Pony. But, like, he came in on a stretcher. I don't know what he was doing. He was trying to be extra. I think he thought he was James Brown or something. That happened. Um, and then, like... I gotta find that on YouTube now. Oh, my God. Time out. <laughs> we can't just skip past that. It was so ridiculous. Why did I not remember that? He came in on a stretcher? Yes. I don't know why he thought that was a good idea. But that's, that's totally what he was doing at the time. For and Pony? I was... Nobody... What do, what do a stretcher got to do with, you know... I don't know. I feel like that's that he can't... I feel like yes. that could, that's how our conversation can get explicit rated, and that's not the rating that we have on iTunes. So, you know, <laughs> we're just gonna um, leave that off. So, <laughs> so there was that, um, and then like the B two K days, like the I have such fond um, memories of being a B two K fan. <laughs> so when B two K came out, it was right around the time that I really started like getting into boys. Like, you know, you thought they were cute okay. before every now and then or something like that. But it was like right around the time where you're looking like, hmm, OK, you know, OK. Right. And I was at home and the video comes on, you know, and I don't know if it was 106 or Parker. Maybe it was just on the regular because, you know, back then BET was playing videos all the time. Mm-hmm. And they came on and they didn't look nothing like the dudes I went to school with. Like, no, they didn't. They had muscles. They, they pants was real low. They, I called my friend up, my girlfriend. I'm like, uh, turn to BET, girl. Who are these people? Man. Mm. Oh my God. So into B2K. I actually went to one of the Scream concerts. I did too. Okay. So which one did you, which one? I don't know. You probably can't remember Scream one. I think he did like four or five installments of it. I feel like it was like Scream 2 for me because I know B2K was there. Of course, Bow Wow was there because it was Bow Wow's thing. Marcus Houston and somebody else was there. Was Janae there or one of her groups? I think that she was in or something. Yeah, I think Janae was there just by herself. But that was when they were doing the whole like Janae is Little Fizz's cousin thing. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the one. She may have been the other person there, but I really wasn't into what she was doing like I wasn't as into her as an artist then at all like the way that I am now well I mean she only had like one song right. maybe two I, I remember, remember No Love, love. 
which I liked a lot. Um, I did like that. I don't remember any other songs she was in. She had a song called Dog. And I think it was like an extra track on one of B2K's albums or something. And I was just like, okay, okay. why is this here? Oh, wait, wait, no. Was, was that, that group they had, had uh, TG4, TG4 there too? too? Remember, Chris Stokes, Stokes came out with like, like a, the, the female, female version of B2K, B2K called, called TG4. They may have went on one, but I don't think it was at the one I went to. So it was it was crazy. Like I um have an aunt that lives up near D.C., and so I had went up to spend some time with her that summer and my cousin's girlfriend at the time had tickets to go. And she, I think her friend that was going to go with her had to drop out or do something like that. But either way, I was like, Shh, I love B2K. You know, I'll go ahead and go. I like Bow Wow. Okay. But I was never really, I mean, it was kind of hit or miss with him. Like every now and then he'd yeah. come out with something that I like, but I wasn't like a hardcore, like Bow Wow fan. Like I was hardcore into B2K. I had the posters up. I was wearing the CDs out and stuff. And um, like I said, I think this was around maybe 2002-ish or something. So that would make Yeah, that would have made me around 15 now. now. Oh, my goodness. So we went to the one. And, you know, I'm thinking that her mom's taking us to the concert. She just, like, dropped us off in downtown Baltimore. Just was like, well, (laughs) I'll see you later or whatever. And so we hung out downtown. Like, way too young to be hanging out downtown. But we hung out downtown. We went to the show. And it was absolute chaos. Like, I really think people forget how much people loved Bow Wow and loved B2K. Like, girls were losing their mind at this show. Like, I love them and everything, but people were, like, screaming until their throat was sore. They were, like, crying. Like, people were about to pass out. Like, it was it yeah. was straight up, like, pandemonium at that yeah. show. Obviously, because their next album was I Got Pandemonium. Exactly. It was- it was, it was probably, probably the first time that I had been, been to a concert, concert where the, the artists were about my age. age. Like, the, the youngest Backstreet Boys about eight or nine years older than me, but like right. the guys from B2K are like maybe one or two years older than me. Right. Um, it was the first time I had seen a show where like the people on stage were people that I probably would have gone to school with if I'd lived near them. Right. Um, and so it was just fun to see like all of. And also, because they were a black group, there were way more black people at their concert. So, like, I would see, like, the people I went to school with at the show, too, which was kind of weird. Right. Like, why are you here? <laughs> Did they come no, to Greensboro? About the show. They came to huh? Greensboro. Is that where you saw that? Okay. They did. They came, to, they came for the Scream 2 tour. Um, and then they were supposed to be coming for Scream 3. And for some odd reason, the Scream 3 tour got canceled. Maybe that was when B2K broke up. I feel like that's what was going on around that time that might and why that's what had happened. Um, but I definitely remember going to two um, and just had a ball. Um, I had their posters on my wall. Like I, like not only did I have their my posters like on the wall, but they were like organized in a special way. So like it was like a spread of B2K pictures. I had a whole bunch of individual pictures of them and then like one big group picture in the middle. I used to get, my brother and sister used to clown me so much about that. They're like, are you for real? Yeah, I, I totally am. Like I was sleep, like I slept next to this spread of B2K posters on all wall. I called it rough for my sister. Cause I mean, same thing, you know, I have one sister and she's six years old to me. She's like, really? These little boys? Like, you know, but Again, like you were saying, they're, they were our age, you know, so you're totally going to be into it. So kind of how she felt about, and I told her, I was like, let's not go there because we know how she was about like Usher back in the day or whatever. I was like, so how you felt about like Usher and, right. you know, groups like that or, or groups that came out like New Edition. That's how my sister was into right. New Edition like that or whatever. I was like, so for us, 
even though we knew who New Edition was and, you know, we appreciated their music, like they were kind of like our New Edition in a way because they came yeah. out right around the time that we were teenagers, you know? Right. It's yeah. definitely, that's so, so many, many memories. memories. I remember, um, so when I was in high school, my last two years, I was on the female step team in my high school mm-hmm. and they had an all boys step team. And so the year that B2K broke up was also the year that like the boys step team had a theme, like their show that they went around and did at different schools and stuff like that was a B2K theme. So they had like, remember when they did the I Need a Girlfriend remix with R. Kelly and they performed at the BET Awards and they had these like white jumpsuits that had been spray painted on? Okay. So they had those outfits made for themselves, like the boy step team. Um, and they did like that entire routine for the BET Awards, like as a part of the show. And everybody was all over it. Like all the girls at our school like went nuts. Um, and like I was took a couple took classes with them, and they were like, hey, 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 your boy group broke up. And I was like, aren't you the one still dancing to their song? Like, every weekend? Like, I don't even wanna hear that. Oh, God, the boys at my school were so, so super jealous of them or whatever. I mean, but it just, you know, they were they were a total boy band. Like, they were not made for them or whatever. They were listening to something completely different, which, I mean, you know, we were into a lot of that, too, because, you know, you had, like, a lot of crump music, snap music, like, and there were 50 million songs out that had some kind of dance attached to them. You were cranking everybody, Batman, Soldier Boy, Pooh <laughs> Palacin all over the place and stuff like that. And just a bunch of really ridiculous stuff. And, you know, you look back and like, we laugh at it now, but it was, it was just fun music. It was. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a bunch, a bunch of, those of those songs were like, like, as soon as you hear the beat, you're like, you already know what it is. Right. You already know, do a little snap dance or like, <laughs> Whatever, Whatever the dance, dance was, was, like, like as, soon as soon as the beat, beat dropped, dropped, you were, it's, it's like, like the entire, entire room, room went up and everybody was doing the same dance. Yes, like that, our crunk music. Day. I mean, it was just so much fun to go to the club. Like I remember when I first got to school my freshman year in 2005 and, you know, Lil John and, you know, and everybody is out and, you know, crime mob and everything. So, you know, knuck if you up, mm-hmm. come on and stuff like that. But nobody was really trying to fight. Like everybody's just jumping up and down and they go right into right. a snap song. And I mean, it was just upbeat, up-tempo music all night long or whatever and I mean just fun like when you look back at it and the fact that I still know these dances and they're, they're somehow embedded in my brain forever or whatever it's just saying how much fun it was and how much we really enjoyed it you know yeah definitely fond memories of doing all of those dances listening to those songs and just being turned with your friends like I didn't we had teen clubs in my hometown but like I really didn't start going to clubs until like after college right um and, and like, like just, just seeing so many people, people like because I, I went to one school and they're like my hometown has like six or seven different colleges and just going to the club on like college night so we could get in free because we ain't had no money and like one of those songs coming on and just the entire room lit up at one time this is why I love concerts is because like you go and you listen to this particular artist and everybody in the room listen to the same artist with you or is there for the same reason same way with the club and like it's just this communal vibe and like everybody knowing you know everybody feeling the same thing and everybody you know being in the same headspace and you know doing this dance together people you don't know people you've never met before people you'll probably never see again all doing the same dance like there's something so beautiful about that experience to be perfectly honest um there's nothing like it there really is nothing like it yeah but and you know i think it's that type of music and stuff like that where it was so dance and you're so involved doing things and stuff was 
worked so well then because it was right before cell phones and being online and stuff like that and you know social media and all this stuff was like really a thing like i mean obviously people are online and stuff but this was right around the time that i think facebook was just kind of starting to become a thing but people mm-hmm. really weren't into it yet or whatever and of course you know there was no ig no snapchat no no none of that stuff or whatever like people went out just to have a good time like people weren't trying to record everything that everybody else was doing like people were just going out wilding um, right. I talked to my sister about that this morning when I talked to her and, you know, my oldest niece is 16. She's getting ready to be a junior in high school. And so she's looking at colleges. And I told her, I was like, like, that's the one thing I kind of feel sad for her about now is, you know, she goes out with her friends like they could all be standing beside each other and they're texting each other. Right. Or if they go to a party, they just like all go and sit down in a corner and stay on Instagram the whole time or stay on Twitter yeah. the whole time or something like when we were out partying, like we left. And, you know, this is back, like, before I went natural or whatever, and I had, like, a relaxer. Like, we would be in there, and your hair would be, like, sweated out oh, by yeah. the time you came out. I Between, have... like, the crunk music, the snap music, you know, that was, like, when reggaeton was, like, a big thing or whatever, because, like, Sean Paul and all those people had came out. Mm-hmm. It was a workout that's, to go to the club. That's, that's part, part of the reason why, why like, I, I gave, gave up trying to get my hair relaxed often. Because, because like, like I would I just go, go out, out and like I would walk into the club and be cute with, with my hair straight or like semi curly, and, and by the time I left the club, it was like I hadn't done my hair before I left the house. So it's just like you know what? I'm not wasting my time anymore. Because you'd be dancing like dancing with your friends or dancing with some random guy or whatever, and like there's no what was the point of me straightening my hair before I left to go out? Like, like what was the point? Because it's so hot, it's so, so humid, humid, and drinks are expensive, expensive, so you're not really drinking a whole lot. Right. But you have, have just spent three or four hours dancing. dancing. Like, like it was like a workout, workout as, as well as having fun with my friends. friends. But there was no, no point, point in me straightening my hair because it was not going to be straight by the time I left. Like, there was no point. <laughs> exactly, girl. That's true. And you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess outside of like the crunk hype music and stuff like that like i don't know i just feel like the the 2000s were just a good time for just all sorts of genres so i remember um i've always loved you know a bunch of r&b and stuff so i mean joe was doing his thing then you had carl thomas doing his thing and uh ndire and amil larue you know had went off of her own away from groove theory and had came up with her own song and stuff and so which if anybody likes Amelia Rue and you haven't seen her in concert, it is an absolute must. She's amazing. Like, it's just, it's like a whole nother experience to see her. So, I mean, R&B music was doing its thing too. And I loved it because it was so many different people out there, you know, kind of oh, experimenting yeah. with that neo soul sound or whatever. I mean, even a group like Outkast and stuff, when they did like Speaker Box and The Love Below, like melding R&B and hip hop together or whatever, like just Such one of the dopest albums. One of the dopest albums of all time. Have you seen Pretty The much. Art of Organized Noise? I have I not yet. It's, it's in my Netflix queue of things to watch, but I have not actually gotten around to visit to actually watching it yet. Okay, so uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's a documentary about the production team that originally started working with Outkast and those guys. They were literally in a basement, like creating classic tracks and everything. This is the same team that produced uh, TLC's Waterfalls and a whole bunch of other songs that you just will remember from back in the day. So it's still on Netflix. We'll make sure we include a link to it in the show notes, but definitely check that out. That's a really specific and key piece of black music history. And they just don't get enough of their credit, enough of their due, even though, you know, Outkast became this major thing or whatever. Outkast and just how 
innovative and creative and how they were, you know, I mean, you're talking about things yeah. being gender neutral and everything like that, the way that they dressed and everything, they were just really being themselves. And I've always appreciated that because they started doing that in the era where, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you got to be definitely really not masculine or anything like that. It wasn't as easily accepted as it is, you know, nowadays or whatever. So I do. I love them so much. And they've been, been out, out for so long. Like they are my dad's favorite hip hop group. And like my dad is like 50 something. <laughs> but that makes sense though because when they came out in the 90s like them and jay and all of them coming out in the 90s was when our parents were in their 20s yeah my dad loved him some outcast like i'm pretty sure sure he's the one that introduced me to outcast because for a while like i wasn't like into the hip-hop from like the 80s and the early 90s uh, i really didn't get into hip-hop until high school yeah um but like he was a huge fan. And then like my brother and sister were also huge hip hop fans. So they were listening to like um, the boot camp click and the original gun clappers are names that I remember. My brother was a huge fan of the Wu-Tang Clan and had like all the CDs um, in his CD case in his car that he would flip through yes. um, and try to figure out what he was gonna listen to before we were going riding somewhere. Um, so yeah, like some of these groups have been around for so long. <laughs> Yeah, see, I've but always loved hip hop. Yeah, I mean, my dad was just such a big hip hop head. My mom's never really been into rap music or anything like that. Um, so I think that's kind of where my love for, like I said, like with the Mill Rue and people like that, that I kind of got that love for them for her. But my dad's mm-hmm. always been a huge hip hop fan. So I mean, I re- remember when I got my driver's license. Like one of the first things I popped in was when the Black album came out. You know, had to right. have it, and I played it. I, I mean, that CD if it could have grew legs and walked away from me. It probably would have because I knew all the lines there. I was majorly into, you know, into Jay-Z back then. Um, bless him because he then lost his mind now. But I was into Kanye, you know, back then or whatever. And so I did. I like Kanye. Kanye. I I did. I really, I, I can't lie. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking about nostalgia. We ain't talking about 2018 Kanye. But back then, I mean, he was making some, he was making some dope songs. He was doing some mm-hmm. dope beats and everything. So, I mean, I just... I've always had that love of, of hip hop or whatever. And even though, you know, I feel like in the in the 2000s, it was just so much more. I mean, there were definitely a lot of rappers coming up, but there were so many rap was kind of going in a different direction, you know, yes, because you had like I remember when Ja Rule came out, like for that whole stretch, the Murder Inc. stretch, they were untouchable. And people gave yeah. Ja Rule so much crap for like sing rapping, you know, and making the songs for the ladies and stuff like that. And that's literally what Drake is doing right now, except he just sings better, I think. Right, like (laughs) the exact same thing. I miss the days of like the early 2000s and even the late 90s when like hip hop crews were a thing. Like there was a little bit of it, you know, in the last few years, but like you had them and then you had, you you know, the Murder Inc. people and you had, you know, Master P and his crew and you had, you know, Puffy and his crew, and you right. had Jay-Z and his people, and, like, there were just crews of hip-hop artists with, like, one or two R&B artists for in, because you know you got to have somebody to sing. You got to have somebody to sing the yeah. Um, but, like, we don't really have that anymore. Makes me a little sad. Um, but now everyone's just kind of be trying to be an island into themselves and be their own brand and, like, you know, make money off of just their name and their name only, which, you know, it's fine. But... You know, I just, I really miss the days of there being like crews of artists um, and you could just kind of follow them around and like, you know, go on tour. Like if they were going on tour, it was taking the entire 
crew with them. So you would hear songs from like five or six different artists as opposed to a two-hour concert from one artist, which again, is fine if that's what you're looking for. But um, like like we were talking about the Scream Tour, even though all those people weren't necessarily on the same label, they were a crew because you could hardly find Bow Wow without B2K somewhere around. They did songs together. All they were that in each other's videos. Like, they were right. together and supporting each other and that that love and stuff. And you know that's that's one thing I really like and you know, a little off topic because we're kind of bringing it back into today into today's times. But that's what I like about Kendrick Lamar, like the whole Black Hippie crew that he's got. So like him mm-hmm. and J Rock and Absol and, and you know all of them are hanging out together and stuff and they go on tour together. They're supporting even though Kendrick's definitely the bigger and the more well known artist, mm-hmm. you know, to the general public and stuff. He's bringing his boys along with them and they go on tour together. So like when you hear them, you're hearing you know, you're hearing Ab Soul songs, you're hearing J-Rock songs or whatever. So you're kind of getting everybody all there together, you know? Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, and I love that he's supporting and then he's kind of got, you know, SZA thrown in the mix too, bringing in a little bit of the R&B, you know, type flavor in there or whatever. So I do, I love that, it's super dope. I don't know, I just, I keep going back to like the R&B and stuff like that there back then. And, you know, like with Aaliyah's self-titled album and how amazing that was and, Raphael Sadiq and you know and then Usher was doing this thing then because he came out like the Confessions album was huge you know yes that was probably like his best album I would hazard to say that it's probably one of the best albums he's ever made um I can't some of the stuff yeah some of the stuff afterwards has just not been all that great and you know he's kind of done the whole electro pop thing now when that's his lane now which is fine but that Confessions album, again, it's going to be one of those things where there's never going to be anything like that album again. And it had so many different things on it. It had the straight R&B joints, and then it had the pop joints. And then it had the crunk songs and, you know, everything. Right. All of them. All yeah. at once. It's definitely his magnum opus. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like with, with Trey. Because Ready came out in, what, 2009, Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I do, and I I love Trey. I mean, and Trey is part of the reason why Christina and I are friends because we're both Trey songs fans or whatever. But I feel like he's been kind of chasing that peak level yeah. of success since then, and he just really hadn't quite gotten there yet and quite figured figured out how to recapture that magic or whatever. Just come out with an anticipation mixtape as an album. That's and it. everything will be fine. That's all he has to do. If you've never listened to a to one of, and I know people have different feelings about you know Trey songs and far, as far as where he falls in with the other R and B guys and stuff you know with Chris and and all the other guys and everything, but I mean his mixtapes are truly solid. Like there are people that I know that don't really care for any of his mainstream songs, and you know that's pro- they're prerogative. I don't I don't force anything on anybody, but you know they've actually listened to songs from his mixtapes before and been like, yo, that's hot. Why are he putting yeah, stuff yeah. like this on the album? <laughs> When, when he did the anticipation, anticipation tour, I was living because I knew I was going to get all those songs from the mixtapes that like I wanted to hear. It's it's, it's like, like so in fandoms like music, music fandoms that I'm in, we have two different types of fans, right? Right. So you have the radio fans who only listen to the songs that are on the radio. So like for Trey, they would know say Ah and. Um, you know, I invented sex and neighbors know my name and stuff like that. And then there are like the diehard fans who know all of the songs and all of the leaks and all of the covers and all the songs that are on YouTube that they recorded but didn't ever put on an album. 
and all the mixtapes and stuff like that. I'm one of those fans that listen to all of it. And right. like, you get tired after a while. Like, I went to see Trey Songz in concert seven times in a two year period. I don't want to hear Neighbors Know My Name again. I don't want to hear I Invented Sex again. I don't want to hear any of the, like, I don't need to hear. Um, let's see. What else you got? LOL, smiley face. Throw the whole song away. Okay, first of all, <laughs> that song doesn't even exist on my phone. Like, as soon as I downloaded it, once I got an iPhone, I promptly deleted that song. Take that song and put that in the trash. It's just pretend that song never existed. The worst song but, he's ever made. <laughs> like, throw some things out there that have not, you know, been heard in a while. Speaking of throwback artists, and I'm going to tie this back into what I was just talking about. JoJo is on tour right now. You know, leave, get out, JoJo. Yeah. Um. And she's doing a tour called the Leaks Covers and Mixtapes Tour. Mm-hmm. And so she's doing a 90-minute set of all of the leaks. She's doing a cover of Rock the Boat by Aaliyah. She's doing all of her mixtape stuff. Uh, and people are mad that she's not singing Leave, Get Out and um, little too, too Little Too Late. Like, they're blowing up her mentions like, I paid all this money to see you. And you didn't sing the one song. First of all, you can go to any other JoJo tour and hear her sing them songs. You can go on YouTube and find 50 million videos of her singing them songs. Like, she branch out, do some new things. But look at the name of the tour. Like, also. (laughs) (laughs) That seems really obvious to me. And don't you think, I mean, didn't she come out with, like, Leave, leave, Get Out or whatever when she was, like, 12, 13? Exactly. Does she really want to keep singing that same song over and over again? Like, let people... I'm all for people like having a lane, recognizing it and staying in it. And, but I'm also for letting people grow. Like, right. She's got more songs than that. If that's the only song of hers that, you know, should you really be at a concert? If that's the only song you care about, then should you really be there? You could just watch that on YouTube. It's also like like Beyonce Beyonce not doing single single ladies ladies anymore. Like, why does she need to keep keep doing that that song? (laughs) Listen, Beyonce be paying a couple of those, a couple of her old albums straight dust. I mean, I think she's just, she's just tired of doing that stuff. Like, she don't want to do it anymore. And I'm not mad at it. Like, if I could go to a Backstreet Boys concert, I'm going to catch so much hell for saying this. And I don't really care. If I could go to a Backstreet Boys concert and not have to hear I Want It That Way, That'll be like the best day in the history of the world. I'm so sick of listening to that song. <laughs> Your mentions, they about to get in there and get at you or whatever. Because, you know, even people that don't even like Backstreet Boys like that, like if they don't know any other song. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. They like, know I want somebody it covers a Backstreet Boys song, it's going to be out it that way. Like, I just don't, I don't want to hear it anymore. Like, I just don't. Like, when that song comes on, if you go to a Backstreet Boys concert with me, I'm sitting down. Because one, I've probably been up for another up standing and screaming and yelling and dancing for an hour and a half and two i know by the time that they do that song it's probably about time to go because it's always like if not the last song it's the next to last song right so i'm going to sit down and rest my feet while oh, they just throw that. it in there at the last minute they're like i guess we got to do this song just put right. it somewhere at the end so we can just after that because it just drains their energy and then they're ready to go <laughs> right so like if i could have a concert with them not doing that song that'd be great probably not gonna happen but you know it is what it is but what were some other groups that you were listening to in the 2000s um so i was a huge fan of flowetry in the early 2000s their first album came out yes um, i don't even remember when it it was in that era basically um i want to say i was in high school um i felt like it was 2002 ish we'll go next um but i loved their whole vibe you had Marsha as the singer and you had the other woman whose name I cannot remember right now as the rapper but like 
she was a rapper, but not really, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. whatever she did flowed very well with what Marsha was singing. And it was just like a match made in heaven to me. Like, vocals on top of vocals, you know. I grew up singing. I was in choruses all through middle school and high school, um, saying in shows and stuff like that. It's what I went to school for is music. Um, and I love good vocals, and their vocals are just amazing heavenly like i like just layers on layers on layers and marcia ambrose has got so many handles when it comes to like doing runs and stuff like that like she's probably one of my top 10 favorite singers ever she just her voice is heavenly and the two of them together just they have a vibe and they have a lane and nobody's really been able to do that as well since to me um you know that album had you know say yes and yes, um, Mistress, just so many great songs on that album. I, You know how you were talking about the Black album, like it could probably get up and walk, like that's me. If I wasn't listening to B2K or Backstreet Boys, I was listening to that album. And then, you know, bringing it back to the Michael Jackson thing, like one of Mike's later big hits was one of their songs that they let him have, which is Butterfly. And their version of Butterfly is amazing. I like it better than Michael's. Um, his, his is pretty great. great. Don't no, his is amazing. His don't get me wrong, but I don't know. It's amazing. just something. There's, there's, some, like emotional gravitas that Marsha put behind it. Like I just felt yes. like you could, you could just feel like she was feeling the song in her soul. Like when she was singing it, yes. I love her version so much. Her version of that song was phenomenal. Them, you know, letting Michael borrow it was also a dream because he's got an amazing voice as well. But like right. they just, they had it. Um, I'm kind of upset that we only got two full songs out of, I mean, two full albums out of them. Um, I know they've gone on tour together um, since, you know, in recent years, they've gone on tour together um, and Marsh has come out with solo projects. And so has the other woman whose name that I don't remember. Um, but I loved them. Um, any group or artist that was singing like her, you know, I was a huge Mariah fan. I've always been. Um, but, you know, when she came back with the M Emancipation of Mimi, like, right. that album, I thought at the time that Rainbow was, like, one of her greatest albums ever. Because that album was great. It was, like, her perfected. And even, like, the, um, what's the album of Honey? What's it called? I can't oh, think of it. I can't think of it either. Mm. Is that the Butterfly album? I think it is the Butterfly album. Yeah. yeah. Those, like, like between those two albums, like the best thing that Mariah Carey has ever done, and then she dropped in the Emancipation of Mimi after she had, you know, worked her emotional and mental issues out. Um, like I didn't think it could get any better, and then it did. Um, and she's just been killing it ever since. Like Mariah Carey is amazing. She's a vo again one of my top ten favorite voices. Um, when they came out, I had said to myself at some point in history, um, that Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston need to do a song together. Right. Because at the time, the two of them were, like, at the top of their game, greatest voices out there. Um, and then, like, six months later, they came out with a song they did for the Prince of Egypt Yeah, I love that song. And I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly, like, the song that I said that they should do. One of the greatest songs ever. Seeing them perform at the Grammys was kind of funny. Um, because they were definitely trying to outsing each other. So dramatic. Just the diva, <laughs> the level of diva was just on 150. <laughs> right. They were they that. were trying to out diva each other. It was fantastic. It, it, it was, was amazing. amazing. And, and it was, it was funny because like, like, 
I remember that year they came to like the MTV Awards and they were wearing the same dress. Yes. <laughs> but then like they each ripped a piece of the dress off and like it was two different dresses. Oh my gosh. What are y'all doing? Like, why are we doing this? The most. Just so very, very extra. Like. But they were extra and we love them for it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, I, I was listening to there were so many groups, like you said, I mean, a lot of the hip hop collectives and stuff that were out back then. So I definitely was listening to a lot of them. Um, and another hip hop collective, too, that I think really when they came on, they kind of had a really good run and did their thing was Nelly and his crew. Because you had yes. never heard of anybody from St. Louis before. And they just like he came like right in 2000 with Country Grandma or whatever. And I was very much so in love with Nelly, like had a major I mean, thing fine. for him for the longest time. And he, you know, Nelly, I don't, I mean, he just, he had, you know, really great songs out. He had the whole deal with, you know, with Nike and the Air Force Ones. I mean, everybody knows that song or whatever. And then the Air Force Ones. And I mean, and then I think, you know, the way that they were dressing and stuff, it just, they were setting a lot of fashion trends and stuff. Like I said, they made mm-hmm. Air Forces such a huge thing. He came out with his own clothing line. Like he had a, a good run. And I feel like Nelly was, smart about his run smart about his money you you know never really heard him getting into a whole bunch of you know where now if he's gotten into something weird lately i don't know i mean i don't keep up with nelly like that anymore no offense to nelly but i just i got other things going on but you know we're not gonna go there (laughs) but back then he had a good run he was doing his thing or whatever and i love nelly so much um i like lincoln park of course i love lincoln park let me tell you something so Lincoln Park got me through a lot of, were they at when I was in middle school? I think they were high school then. They yeah, got me through like a lot of dark times. Like yeah. I was listening to so many different groups, but like they were of all the rock groups. Cause I was listening to groups like Papa Roach and Limp Biscuit and Corn and things like that yeah. on top of, um, you know, listening to Lincoln Park. But like Lincoln Park was my favorite hybrid theory and Meteor are like my two favorite albums ever. Um, they went through a phase where they were doing some weird things and like, I almost was like, eh, I don't necessarily want to be a Lincoln Park fan anymore, but they brought it back around. And I, so Chester passed away almost a year ago. Right. Um, and I didn't think it was going to affect me as much as it did. Like when I found out, I cried. Oh, it hit me hard. Cause I mean, I I was just going through so much in high school and that was, you know, to kind of counterbalance, you know, some of those good times and everything. Cause like I said, when you look back with things and you're looking through it through a nostalgic lens, you still never really quite forget some of those harder Mm -hmm. times that you went through. And I mean, that definitely, their music was, you know, definitely something that got me through a lot of those harder, those darker times or whatever, because you felt understood, you know, through it or whatever. And sometimes you need that. Sometimes you're in the dumps and you, you don't want to be cheered up and you need to feel it. And, you know, yeah. I think that they really just help you help me get through and help me feel what I needed to feel. Lincoln Park, like listening to Chester Scream was like therapy for me. Right. I actually wore like a, a R.I.P. Chester wristband for a couple months afterwards. And it took me a while um, after his passing to be able to listen to their music again because it was just it, it hurt um, to know because I have actually never seen them in concert. I was going to because, mm-hmm. um, you know, Groupon sells concert tickets now for some odd reason. Um <laughs> And I was going to buy tickets to one of their concerts that they were doing in Charlotte um, and didn't get the opportunity because then Chester passed away. Right. Um, and 
like it just it was just hurtful like I tried one day and was just like mm, I don't feel like crying today um but I'm so thankful that their music is still there to know you know to help me through the dark times that I have now and just like their music is amazing always has been always will be um I'm thankful that that group is a part of my life then um so little R.I.P. Chester moment um but yeah, I was listening to them. I was listening to Papa Roach. Infest was one of my favorite songs. Um, Last Resort yeah. is definitely, you know, their title track, their, you know, first song ever, um, out in public at least, um, was another one of my favorite songs. It's funny. <laughs> I was on the Backstreet Boys cruise and uh-huh. seeing them sing that song was like... They sang that I'm, song? Really? They were having a moment... It was at one of the deck parties, and so everybody was super drunk, and, like, half the boys had left the stage. And that's what they do. They just, they perform, like, old songs of theirs, or, like, they basically cover other people's songs. So they started playing it, and then Nick started singing it with AJ, and I was just like, I don't know what's happening right now, <laughs> but I am 1,085% here for it. Like, it was, it was, like, the peak 90s moment, <laughs> listening to, to two of the Bashy Boys sing Last Resort on a boat in the middle of like the ocean it was fun so much fun oh my god that's crazy what about women artists like i know for me i don't know it was just that was kind of the the 2000s was kind of like the rise of beyonce time or whatever mm-hmm. and also kind of seeing you know going back to the groups a little bit like with the death of dc3 it was kind of crazy and you know somebody that really surprised me even though i kind of thought maybe she would be like a one or two hit wonder was rihanna mm-hmm. She really, I thought so too. Uh, she really just emerged like she came out mid, you know, 2000s or whatever, like 2005, because we're all the same age. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, she's a little bit younger than we are. Um, I think maybe like a year or so or whatever. But I was like, OK, you know, she's kind of like a Caribbean Beyonce. It's a thing. I don't know about yeah. this or whatever. But yeah, as I really kind of dived into her, you know, dived into her first couple of albums. And then when she I mean, Umbrella being that big tipping and changing point for her or whatever, where she completely switched up her image. I felt like she kind of came out of her shell. And really got the permission to be herself. It's so funny to me. Like, I remember listening to her first song, uh, Ponder Ponder Replay. Yeah. And at the same time, Tierra Marie was out. And, you know, she had that song. um, Make her feel good. Right. That one. And I was one of those people, too, who was like, okay, Tierra Marie is going to be the one that's the superstar. And Rihanna's just going to, like, disappear into the ether. And, Holy crap, how wrong I was. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. So that out, there's this article. <laughs> it circulates. Oh, I know what article you're talking about. Every single year around the time that Dangerously in Love came out, which was Beyonce's first album. <laughs> there is no review on the planet that has aged worse, worse than this review. <laughs> I mean, they said that. <laughs> I can barely even get it out without laughing. That Beyonce was no Ashanti. For that time, like the title of the article, too. You know, I get it because, again, going back to the Murder Inc. thing, like, you know, Ashanti was huge. People can say whatever they want to say about her now and talk about how she ooh, baby, and ah, baby. Baby, Rihanna, not Rihanna, Ashanti was making money. And Mm -hmm. I don't care what anybody says, you liked Ashanti. Like, don't try to front. Yeah, don't try to front like you won't listen to ooh, baby, and ah, baby, and right along with her. I know I was. I ain't gonna lie. I definitely was listening to, especially her first couple of albums. I like Concrete Rose and all those and all that stuff. I listened to all of it. But I mean, you're talking about a review that just went really bad. Mm. 
you were very, very wrong. Beyonce is definitely no Ashanti. Um, mm, <laughs> she, not even close. She, you know, you're right. In that respect, she's not an Ashanti, but in a completely different way than what they were thinking about. And that's just, mm. that's so hilarious to me. But again, it almost makes sense for back then because people honestly really weren't sure if Beyonce would be able to survive without the group. Right. Like, like nobody thought that that was going to work. Um, but then that BET Awards performance when she came out and did Crazy in Love the first time ever, I think that was before the video premiered. Right. Like, I think she debuted the song at the BET Awards that year. Uh, and then the video came out later. Like, as soon as she hit the stage, everyone was like, oh. She good. Okay. Like, it, it was very much like a, I didn't think, uh, what? Like, I remember, I remember watching, watching it and was like, wow. I'm like, I, that was an experience that, like, will never be repeated again. And this is just the beginning for her. And right. I mean, you knew she wow. had it from right away. The minute that yes. you saw her come out on the stage or whatever, it's like, she got it. She's going to be one of the biggest people that we've ever talked about. And I just, I do, I mean, I know, you know, different people feel different ways about Beyonce and stuff. But she's such a core part. And Destiny's Child was such a core part of coming of age for us and, and growing up and everything like that. Like, I mean, literally have been down with, with, with Destiny's Child since middle school days or whatever. And then kind of seeing right. Beyonce come into her own and evolve on her own. And I mean, you know, no matter how people feel about her music or anything like that, you just have to respect her hustle, um, respect right. her grind. She's just, I mean, to me, she's just consistently getting better with time or whatever. But it was really cool exactly. to see her, to look back now and see like, you know, crazy in love and stuff, even hear her voice. And how her voice has changed and matured and, you know, yeah. how she kind of started out being in that, in this bubble, in this, you know, specific personality bubble where she felt like she had to kind of be in these confines and watching her break free from that has been, it's been a pretty cool experience. It has been. I saw a thread from somebody because I guess Dangerously in Love came out 15 years ago at this point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um and somebody, and somebody had done a thread of, like, like some of their favorite, favorite things from that, that like, era, era of time um, for her. And they had, you know, posted a video of the Crazy in Love video, um, which I haven't seen in so long. But it was so much fun to watch because you're just like, wow, she has grown so much. Like, she is, she was great then, but she's on a whole another level of greatness now. Um, they had some of her older performances. Um, they had, do you remember... When, when she, she did, did a remix, remix to In the Club, the 50 Cent song? Yes. <laughs> I, saw I, saw I forgot about that until so you brought it up. I'm like, oh, I do remember that. And it was like, okay, so this is not the greatest thing in the world. But at the same time, you know, she's like rap singing. It was like her first time in doing the rap singing now. And now you listen to her new project and she's like straight rapping. Like so many of my friends are like, my new favorite rapper is Beyonce. <laughs> but you know what? I think she got a lot of that influence too from Missy because she's actually on a couple of Missy's albums. Like they're they're all deep cut songs, and I'm like, why didn't you release these songs? I yes. love Missy and Beyonce together. And the only thing I think that really got released out was what the Bootylicious remix. Yeah. Which I mean, uh, okay. I like the original song better if I had to choose between one or the other one. Bootylicious is just not one of my favorite. Destiny's Child songs anyway. Well, well no, no, but, but I, I actually kind of sort of like, like the remix better. better. Really? Yeah, yeah, I do. I don't uh, know. I, and I think it's, it's just because I like the Missy songs, like the songs on the albums and stuff so much better. Like, I wish her and Missy had really collaborated, just the two of them had done something together back then. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, but there's, there's still time. time. 
they're still both kicking around. So, you know, they could put a project together. You know, and I love it. I love Missy. She is her own historian. So if you guys don't follow Missy on Twitter, she basically, you know, posts the whole history of her accomplishments and the wonderful things that she's done to contribute to the music industry. So there she'll post Mm -hmm. like these little known songs that she wrote. And, you know, some of them are bigger songs that she um, had a hand in things that she's helped produce some things from her own past. Like she even posted a video clip of a group and I can't remember the name of it, but it was a group that she was in before she became famous. Oh yeah. I do remember seeing that. Yeah. But I love that so much because Missy's like, look, if nobody else is going to give me my flowers and my video Vanguard award that I should have been got from MTV a long time ago, then I'm going to celebrate myself. Yeah, I'm going to celebrate myself on Twitter. Give her the award. Give her all the awards and the flowers and the things because she's just going to give them to her for herself on Twitter. So y'all might as well go ahead, dedicate something to Missy because, I mean, that group, and you're going back, you know, again to the whole group things, I mean, that collective right there, the super friends, you know, with her and Timberland and Magoo and Genuine and Aaliyah and everything. I mean, you're talking about just a group of incredibly, crazily talented people ridiculously talented people like there should not be that much talent among a small group of people yeah i mean in the sounds and stuff they were experimenting with like if you really take and listen to some of those old cuts like with one in a million like with that it's like a cricket sound in the back or something like that but it's just small things like that it's just like who would have ever thought about that like you have to be your mind has just be be on a whole nother wave like apparently it's something in the water here in virginia because i live in virginia and that's where missy's from and that's also where pharrell is from like mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently i need to be drinking water out the tap here because that's these people just came up with some mind-blowingly like crazy stuff same thing with pharrell i mean pharrell that man first of all that man is not age like at all he's, i don't know what it is he's forever he's 27 years old just but i need him to put it in a bottle and sell it second of all the man's mind like i just don't understand how the man's mind works from his own music to his collaborations with other people to producing for other people to nerd nerd that first album in search of yes one of my like top five favorite albums ever in the history of the world i played that album so much because it was like the perfect blend of rap rock r&b which is just kind of my whole lane because, you know, he had Khalees on there and he had Rockstar and Lap Dance and my song um, Provider. That's like my favorite song on that album. Like that album was absolutely fantastic and does not get enough love to me, at least. And, you know, speaking of Khalees, she does not get enough love, in my opinion. Like she really does. Her Tasty album is probably one of my favorite ones. And you, you would have thought that it would have been so much bigger because it was kind of riding off the strength of Milkshake which was, mm-hmm. you know, the lead single and all the stuff. And of course, you know, if nobody knows anything else about Khalees, it's the, you know, I hate you so much right now, or they know Milkshake. I mean, if they don't know anything ah. else, but. Song makes me want to scream all the time. Ah. I love that song. Yeah, she came, I mean, just, you know, super dope in her own lane. And Tasty is, it's such a fun, it's a good writing album. So like, I remember mm-hmm. I would like, I live in a small town and the closest like real mall to us once I got a little bit older and the mall kind of started fading out and stuff was probably about a good like 30, 40 minutes away. I would pop in Tasty and roll the windows down in my car because I had an Eclipse then and I didn't have no electric windows. You had to roll them suckers down with your arms. And I mm-hmm. roll the windows down in the car and I just blast Tasty all the way there. I mean, it's just such an experimental cool fun innovative sound one of my definitely one of my favorite favorite albums ever 
is Khalees is Tasty. And even her album she came out with a few years ago was really good. And really I'll underrated. Have to check that out. Yeah. She came out with album. She did in 2014. I believe it was 14, 15. No, that I'm pretty sure 14. She came out with Food. So that's the name of that one. Oh, no, no, no. I do remember that. Because she's, she's been, been doing, doing, she like went to La Cordon Bleu and started doing the cooking thing. And like, right. she's got like a food truck and everything. Like, right. she's, she's just, she's living adult life. She's, she's gold. I love her so much. Her style, like her flow, her voice, like she, she has been killing it, has always been killing it, has just kind of been like, I'm just going to do me and bump the rest of y'all. And that's like motto for life. Is there anybody you want to see come back? I want No Doubt to come back in my heart. I love No I Doubt so it. much. See, I don't think no it's going to happen, cool. though. But I mean, especially Rocksteady, another album that probably would have grown legs and got up and walked away from me. Love yeah. Rocksteady. It's my favorite. No, no I doubt. Uh, but I don't think that's happening because Gwen has a Gwen Stefani has a Vegas residency now, which right. I just think is the weirdest thing in the world. I, I'm just gonna, yeah, I was like, um, uh, and I love Gwen, but I'm like, but, but why? Um, I don't know if I would necessarily want anybody to come back because I know a lot of the artists that I'm a fan of, like especially now with like the internet, a lot of them have come back. Like, um, I again we talk about boy bands being my specialty. Um, you know, making the band was a thing back in the day, and people forget that poor Diddy owned making the band. It was an ABC show where they created a boy band called O Town. Oh Lord, Diddy just ruined everybody. He does. So O-Town is back now. Um, they've been on the road for like the last, I think, two or three years. They came out with the album that's actually really good called really? Lines and Circles. Yeah, I love is. O-Town. Uh, I'm writing yes. down. Yeah, they're one member short, but because um, Ashley decided he didn't want to come back. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're like on the road right now touring and doing all that jazz. Um, but like all the other groups making the band have well, actually, no, Day 26 is touring now, too. Okay. But I think they're a man down as well, and I don't really know why. Um, I haven't figured that out yet. I've been looking, because when they said they were coming back, there was five of them, and now, for some odd reason, there's only four of them, and I'm very confused. Don't so they somebody have a hard time getting along, along, though? Like, is it just, like, a group issue? Because I feel like they've always had, or am I mistaken in that? But no, they definitely always had group issues, because okay. I think they could queue out at one point. They kick you out at some point on the show. And then I think they might have come out with a song and Q wasn't in it. I don't know what's going on. They've had issues with Q, but Q's not the one that's gone. It's Brian that's gone now, which I'm very confused about because Brian is one of the best singers in that group. Okay. Um, Yeah. Like, what are they trying to do? I I don't know, but they've come out with a couple of singles. They're on the road. I just saw somebody like pay for their meet and greet and take a picture of a four out of five for them. Hmm. I don't know what's happening. Uh, if Danity Kane could get their their mess together, then coming back would be great. But I think Dawn is also out. <laughs> yeah, no, Dawn's definitely doing her own thing. I like I like what she's doing and doing her own thing very very well. Right, her solo projects have been nothing short of amazing. Um, I mean, I don't really know. Uh, nobody really. I kind of just want people to stay like where they were. Like if they aren't coming back, then there are probably reasons why they're not coming back. I know a lot of people probably want NSYNC to come back and Justin Timberlake should probably look into it because that last album was garbage. But (laughs) I'm okay with, and I, and I loved NSYNC, you know, back in the day or whatever, but I'm definitely okay with them. I mean, for me, it's kind of like the same thing with sitcoms. Like a lot of stuff is just like, you know, it had its appeal 
it worked for that certain time period and everything. I mean, there are some artists that are, you know, coming out now with new things and they're kind of changing it up. Like one of my favorite female artists from back in, you know, both the nineties and the two thousands mainly uh, was Maya. And she's still releasing good, consistent, great music now, but she's doing it independently. Um, I had a chance to interview her probably about three years ago. And she was saying that the reason she went independent was because she had a conversation with Prince. And Prince was like, look, you know, do you want to own pennies of the dollar of each album? Or are you trying to make dollars on some dollars? You got the talent. You, you know, you know how to play an instrument and everything like that. He was like, if you own your label, you'll be, he was like, you could be unstoppable and do your own thing or whatever. He was like, and then you don't feel like you have to play into that machine all the time. And I mean, she just came out with like another album a couple of months ago or whatever. She's been consistently and steadily touring, making great music. A lot of people are so quick to call folks, you know, oh, they're a flop, they're a flop. I mean, I'm like, just because you don't see them plastered everywhere, like a Beyonce, like a Lady Gaga, like a Rihanna or something like that, doesn't mean that people are flopping. They're just, they're doing things on their own plane and doing things in their own way. And I mean, let's be real, like the music industry and like the way things worked in the 2000s is not the way that music works now. Like um we used to bootleg albums all the time like i I remember the guy that i used to go to and like bootleg albums and i don't really do that anymore one because i think it's bad karma as somebody that you know wants to sing and write like to bootleg other people's stuff like i actually went had a day where i was just like this is wrong and i literally broke all my bootlegs even though i probably had ripped all the music to my computer so negates the point but still um but like the way people interact with artists and stuff like that is different now. Like I don't necessarily need to go home and watch TRL to figure out what the next video for my favorite artist is going to be. Like, I don't need to do that anymore. They can they just put it the on Twitter. They've got a new music video right. or send it to my email or text me or do all these other things. And I don't necessarily have to watch TV to figure out what my artist is doing. Like I get email updates about like when my favorite artists are touring and stuff like that, or I find it on Twitter or I find it on a message board somewhere or go to their website. Um, right. It's like the game has changed. Um, I don't necessarily need to be, my artists don't need to be on TV. The Backstreet Boys haven't been on the charts. They're on the charts now for one song, but they probably have not been on the charts like in a major way in like seven, eight, maybe 10 years. Right. But you go to their concerts and their concerts are almost sold out, if not sold out. Their crews that they go on every year, or like every year and a half, is sold out every single time. Like they got fans, they just are not all over the TV. Right, yeah. And I think people, like I said, they equate equate that with success or, you know, how well, the measurement of how well someone's doing. And I'm like, it's totally not. Like, I mean, everybody doesn't have to be plastered out there and, you know, and out there to show that they're doing something. It's the same way. And that kind of transcends, you know, music. Same thing with acting, with other things like that. Like people are doing more, things behind the scenes people are getting behind the cameras people are producing mm-hmm. and they're writing and they're doing different mm-hmm. things that don't necessarily put them out there in the forefront anymore you know right because it's even I mean, like even... like with betty Wright, like years ago since she's you know really been in the music game like that but she's mentoring artists to this day right. it's like and it goes back to like our girl beyonce who nobody saw coming but like you know, on her recent project that she did with Jay-Z, she talked about, you know, if I cared about streaming numbers, I would have put Lemonade on Spotify, which is still not on Spotify. And it's like, she has her own metric for what success is for her. And like every other artist should have their own metric. They shouldn't be worried about, you know, trying to be how much they're played on yeah. the radio or where they chart at or, I mean, they should definitely care about album sales, but like, you kind of know whereabouts, like how big your fan base is. You should work on them 
right and cater to them because they will sustain you like. right and i mean and do the things that they you know the things that they appreciate and stuff like i said i'm all for people growing and you know and kind of incorporating that growth into their music and stuff but you know to a certain extent there's a lane and you know if you've yeah. got a fan base and they're liking what you're doing or whatever it's just it's no need to try to and i think a lot of r&b artists are trying to do that now like i know music soul child was like was in this whole phase where he was trying to do some weird rap thing and stuff and it's like nobody wants to hear that from you no. like there are 50 million rappers out there i'm okay i don't need trap music soul child do do love do r&b do the stuff that people showed up to concerts because i've seen him in concert before and he's wonderful in concert do the things right. that people show up to see you do you know you don't have to try to go along with that with the wave or whatever try to go along with what's popular i mean geez look at look at somebody like sade who is basically a hermit but she's yeah. got that strong fan base and even if she were to come out with new music now she's not gonna come out and try to be a trap star no. it's not her thing it's like with janae or whatever i mean yeah she probably could do more trap music or something like that but that's not her that's not her lane and she knows it right like and she definitely found her lane. like that's she's a testament to an artist finding her lane. like you should let artists be artists because i know she didn't have much success when she was under the Chris Stokes, B2K, IMX umbrella. Well, they were trying but to make like, her a girl version of the B2K guys. And that's not right. who she is naturally. And then now, you know, that she's gotten her independence and is able to do and be creative. Like, she's killing the game. Like, way more success now than she had back in the day when she was trying to do, you know, pop R&B hits. Now she's just straight R&B soul breathy pop star or whatever um and she's killing it like all of her music is amazing trip is one of my favorite albums that's come out recently because yeah. uh, it's literally a trip from start to finish um just let artists be artists let them do them um, yeah, they know the best story i mean and even with her style game and stuff like that how they were trying to you know dress her a certain way or whatever and make her real, real trendy and poppy and everything like that like it just wasn't her thing she had on like the fedoras and you know all the things that were kind of the you know the style of the time like the little mini skirts and stuff and it just it just wasn't her you know mm -hmm. and it's it's so crazy to me because when i think about like music and then how it kind of coincided with fashion back then like music was so and it always has been but the 2000s was such an eclectic time with so many different types of music that were all really doing well there was really no one real dominant genre but no. fashion was weird back then. I don't know what we were doing, but somebody should have told us to stop. <laughs> like, I mean, interesting times. The, I look back at photos now from like me and my friends in high school, you know, photos were just hanging out in the hallway or whether it's in like the yearbook, like I pulled up my yearbook a couple of weeks ago. And I'm just like, why, why did every guy have on a shirt that was four times too big? Why was that a, a thing? that people did like they literally like, went to a store and was like i wear a large please give me a 4xl shirt that hangs down past my knees see that's the that's the thing that i don't understand like we talked on the last episode about me always wearing clothes too tight two sizes too big and that wasn't a style thing it was just what i was most comfortable in at the time right but like i don't need a shirt that's like the length of a dress and like swallows me whole like i don't that's a bit extra and i have no idea what was the purpose like you can't run in shirts like that like i don't right. you just somebody look, you chime just in and let us know what the stupid like it was just stupid looking it, it made no sense there would be like the oversized shirts pants were like just 
way down or whatever because I, I don't know i guess maybe the pants were trying to compete with the shirt i mean you could have jacked them up to your nipples i mean it really wouldn't have mattered because the shirt was four sizes too big so right what did it matter if your pants were hanging or not but just that combined with like the sagging pants and i mean the obsession with the air forces like i said before with the whole nelly thing or whatever it was just everybody having a do-rag or they were rocking cornrows or something like that like everybody just looked like it was just like a whole bunch of mini Allen Iversons everywhere. Like everybody looked like Allen Iverson. Everybody did. <laughs> and even some of the girls. I had uh, this one girl that I went to middle school with who was obsessed with Allen Iverson. Like obsessed. Like if she could have worn an Allen Iverson jersey to school every day, she probably would have. Um, and like wore jerseys all the time, dressed up like Allen Iverson, like had cornrows all the time. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. It was like, my whole thing with genuine, like I didn't understand why people thought genuine was so fine. I didn't understand why people thought that Alan Iverson was so fine. He was just kind of like average, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I never thought he was ugly or anything like that. And I definitely like looking back now, I can see why he had such a big influence on people, you know, both as a basketball star and also because he was, he was one of the, really one of the first people in the basketball game to kind of usher in and kind of marry basketball and hip hop together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of get that or whatever. And I got a lot of respect for him as a, you know, as a player and everything like that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was just, he was never all that. But I mean, guys wanted to be him and girls loved him. And I mean, what he was wearing kind of permeated out to what a lot of other people were doing. Even, I mean, like with the rappers and stuff like that, like they were wearing sweatbands, but they weren't playing anything. They just had sweatbands on and lots of chains. And I'm just like, what's what, what's happening with everybody? Why do we look like this? I don't, I don't. <laughs> Do you know there was, was a so, do-rag festival in Charlotte? I did. I, I heard about this. I sent it to, um, like, a, I saw a video of it on Twitter, and I sent it to a friend of mine that lives in Charlotte, and he was like, why did I not know about this before it happened? So I was like, I, I would know, totally but... go. Like, people were, so for people that aren't familiar with the where, where we live at, so in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where the... Um, Carolina Panthers are and everything like that. It's probably the biggest city in, or the most well-known city in North Carolina. There was a Durag festival there. Um, and a bunch of people just came out and they were rocking Durags. Like I even saw a picture of a lady that had a Durag that like went all the way down to like her ankles. And she had like all this beading and jewels and stuff on it. It was actually really beautiful. Um, and you know, people were really ragging on it. They were like, oh, that's, that's stupid. That's ghetto and stuff. But I'm like, you know what? They were having a good time. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got shot and killed. They were celebrating something that's really integral to black culture and everything like that. They were supporting local artists, local vendors. They had local acts out there and stuff like that. And everybody was having fun. I mean, y'all better do it. Listen, like, if y'all have it next year, send me an invite because I'm there. I've seen videos of white people running down a hill chasing a roll of cheese. If white people can run down a hill and chase a roll of cheese and fall and almost break their neck, why we can't have a do rag festival? It's not ghetto. It's a part of it's a part of our culture or whatever. Why not celebrate that part of our culture? If everybody's having a good time, let them do it. White I people gonna white people. Where did you find a video? You know what? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name of the festival. I gotta look it up now. It's like a let me see. She's rolling festival. I it's over in like England or something like that. But either way, it is the funniest thing I've ever seen before in my life. Like Cooper's Hill cheese rolling is in Gloucester over in England. And so basically they take like a roll of cheese. Like it's a bunch of people. I, I didn't see any black. I'm not saying that black people weren't there. I just hadn't seen any in the videos. 
If you're a black person and you've been to the cheese rolling thing, please email us and let us know how your experience was. Because I didn't see it in the video. But they take a roll of cheese and they, I don't know why, but they roll it down a hill. You know, I mean, I guess it's a cultural thing or something. And these people go like down this super steep hill <laughs> and they just start flipping and turning over and falling like, they look like rag dolls going down the side so, of a hill. It is the funniest thing. I have so many questions. So like, what happens when the cheese gets all the way down the hill? Are there multiple types of cheese? What kind of cheese is it? From what, what I saw, it was only like one afterwards. roll of cheese. And I guess if you get the roll of cheese, you are like the cheese running champion and you get is a it, prize. <laughs> how big is this roll of cheese? Is it like the size of cheese that you would get at like the grocery store? Or It was not a big roll of cheese. It was like, I mean, it was bigger than what you get at the grocery store. I think it's probably maybe about seven or eight pounds. So, I mean, not like a giant roll of cheese or anything, but See, it's, a, it's a pretty big size. Now I'm out of it because I thought it was like a human-sized roll of cheese. That would be way more entertaining to me. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to have to find a video of them doing the cheese roll because that was hilarious to me when I saw it. Like my husband randomly brought it up or whatever. And I mean, they're, I think the same. That sounds like something he would yeah, find. I don't know. I feel like, the, I think like the same guy has been winning for like the past couple of years or something like that. So he's like the cheese catching champion how is that the right term cheese catching okay cheese chasing champion either way if they can run behind cheese we can have a do-rag festival there's nothing wrong with having a do-rag festival and i go right out there matter of fact they could just turn it into a whole complete 2000s thing i could find a jersey dress from somewhere we can turn it into like Dutch hat. something big like the roots picnic <laughs> like yes a do-rag picnic an entire do-rag picnic. It could be like a three-day weekend of fun music and merriment. Did you wear sneaker heels? No. I can't walk in heels. So you don't wear them at all? I, like, I have them. Do I walk in them? No. Um, I've tried. I can't do it. But it was apparently a thing. It's Blame it on Beyonce. Because I remember exactly. when they did... Oh, three Bonnie and Clyde. Yes, she had the uh, like this, heel, like the Timberland, Timberland, Monolo yeah. Blonics, and everybody was about it. Like, not why? The, yeah, <laughs> I never got the Timberland ones, but I'm not gonna lie, I definitely had the sneaker heel things. I definitely was rocking the sneaker heels, and I had like a Kobe jersey, and I was wearing my sneaker heels with my Kobe jersey, and I just looked absolutely ridiculous. I look back at photos now, and I'm like, but why? It was a sneaker and a heel together, two things that don't belong together. Were they comfortable like sneakers? Like, tell me more about the this ones. No, situation. the ones that I had, I don't know. I mean, they probably could have been more comfortable, but again, not a lot of money going around, so I had to get like the knockoff, cheaper version of it. I mean, okay. they weren't like. I mean, I walked in hills pretty often, even like in high school and stuff like that or whatever. So they weren't too terribly bad. Like they were relatively comfortable, but of course not quite as comfortable as a sneaker. But it just, I don't know. It just it looked really weird because like I would either wear them with just like jeans and a jersey which doesn't make sense to me now, but that's how other people wore them. So that was kind of how, or either I would do like the, like the cargo, like piratey pants or something like that. Like you remember mm -hmm. those pants, like they were just like puffy and weird mm -hmm. looking in the head. Sometimes they'd have like the pockets and stuff on the side. Like I do mm -hmm. them with those pants or something. And I put on like a, like one of the trucker hats or something. I just thought I was super cool. And right. And I even, mm. yeah, no, because either I would do that or I wore, definitely wore a lot of forces. So I had like black, white, like all the different forces or whatever. Because by the time I was in high school, like around junior year, I had a job. So, you know, no bills back then. So you could go and buy what you wanted to buy. Right. I wear that and velour suits and it was so hot in those suits. And I just don't understand 
again. Why were we wearing them? I wanted one of those velour tracksuits so badly. Like, it was the only thing I wanted. Like, you know, we talked again about me be- being very, like, anti everything that was popular. Right. But, like, but you actually really, wanted a velour suit? Yes. I never got one. And I'm still mad about it to this day. Because they just look... See, I probably wouldn't leave the house in it. It just looks... They kind of remind me of pajamas. And, like, pajamas are my jam. So... And they just look so comfortable and fun. Yeah, you shouldn't leave the house in cool. it. None of us should have left the house with those suits on. They should have <laughs> just stayed right in the house with us. Just leave the jacket at the store, just buy the pants, and stay at home and watch TV. Because it was just hot as the devil in those stupid suits. I just, I don't know why. And the only reason I got one, my mom refused to buy them because she just thought they looked stupid then. Um, the only reason I got one is because I took my money and bought it myself. <laughs> and bought it myself. Otherwise, I would have never gotten one. And I always wanted like the baby fat or like the juicy couture ones, but I just had to settle for the ones they sold at JCPenney. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's they why They sold them at high. like Lane Bryant too, but like the tops and bottoms were like $79 a piece. No way in hell that was going to happen for me. So I yeah. just- Oh no, they were at JCPenney. They were like $15.99. So mm. I got them from there. I couldn't, that was the only thing I could afford. I couldn't do no baby fat. I mean, I did some baby fat stuff, but usually it was something that like, I had an aunt, the same aunt that lives up near DC and she, you know, has one child and has a son, never had a daughter. So, you know, I would, when I would go and stay with her, she would buy like, cause he always wore really trendy stuff. Again, he looked exactly like Allen Iverson back in those days. You know, he's a couple of years mm-hmm. younger than I am. I mean, the cornrows, the unnecessary sweatbands, all that stuff like that. Like that was how he dressed or whatever. So he always had on really trendy stuff. So she would buy me like baby fat and all of that stuff or whatever. But I just, I was never, I mean, every now and then there would be some things that I wanted, but I was never really big into a bunch of labels. Um, but I did, I had to have the the Jersey dresses. I wanted one of those really bad. So I had a Jets Jersey dress and, you know, like the cargo pants things and stuff like some things uh, that stuff I was into, but yeah, she she never got me the velour ba- baby fat suit that I always wanted. I never understood jersey dresses either. Like, why? I just wanted it because Maya had one in the in the um gosh. Okay, I do remember video that. with Jay Z and I can't best of me remix. See, after I saw that, I had to have one. So like, I didn't like sports. That was problem number one. Problem number two. So like, that was pretty much the only problem, and. I didn't understand the reason for wearing a jersey and then making it a dress. And like some of y'all, some of y'all were doing entirely too much because you had the jersey dresses and you had the throwback jerseys. Right. And then y'all decided y'all want to take a step further and have like jersey dress prom dresses. See, now that I'm gonna need y'all that was to just not ever do that again. That's just tacky. It wasn't y'all. That was I I did not have a jersey. I wore a regular prom dress to the prom. No. I had a jersey dress. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know why I got one because the thing is, is that I think the jersey dresses were kind of supposed to be designed for like thicker girls to like show off your thighs and your butt and stuff. But it was really hard for me to find one that looked okay because I was just, I was just skinny. I was kind of, well, not really skinny. I had a really athletic build because I was Mm -hmm. like cheerleading. I ran track for a while and everything like that. So I had a really athletic build and it just didn't look quite the same on me. That it did on like my homegirls that had, you know, some curves going on and stuff. So I think it was meant right. to kind of show off the curves and stuff, but I was just wearing it just to be wearing it. Yeah. Mm. Y'all have fun with that, but. Mm. Yeah, never Couldn't got into the it. hat trend or any of that stuff. And then like the jewelry and everything. I mean, I remember just wearing hella jewelry. Like I used to work at Charlotte Roos when I was a, no, freshman. Freshman? Yeah, I was a freshman in college. So around 2005, 2006. Oh my God. 
it did me no good to work in there. I quickly realized after being there for a few months that this was not going to work for me because I literally had no money. Like I was spending my whole paycheck on that was back when people were wearing like the like the slide in like slippers and stuff like that and mm-hmm. a bunch of just like really like trendy jewelry and, and everything. And they're still kind of big. I don't think they're as big on jewelry as they were back when I was working there. But right. I mean, God, I would spend all of my money on like slippers and jewelry. And I'd like have nothing left over. <laughs> my whole check was going to the store. And so I would just wear like all the jewelry in the world. And then I um I go to Hot Topic and I used to go in there just for like, cause I had my belly mm-hmm. button pierced and I had a tongue ring and I would go in there for like the other, the other jewelry and stuff like that. But that was back when like belly rings were like the thing. And I guess everybody you was You had a there. tongue ring? I did for a long time. What was that experience like? Getting it pierced actually really was not bad. Um, the swelling that next day was just the worst because it felt like, like my tongue felt like a slug that was like trying to escape from out of my mouth. It was terrible. But the good thing about a tongue ring is that they heal up like within a couple of days and then you can change it. Cause the, the stud that they put in there when they first pierce it is so big. It gives you, it accounts for the room of your tongue, you know, swelling up or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. so once I got to change it out and everything, I did, I really liked it. Um, and the only reason I got rid of it is because, as I got a little bit older and stuff and I started working in like, you know, corporate America and stuff, it just didn't, you were always having to to take it out and put the stud. And the thing about a tongue ring is that if you leave it out, no matter how long you've had it, if you leave it out for a couple of days or so, it closes up your tongue heals super fast. So it'll close up within a few days. Hmm. Yeah. And so I just, I just let it go. I mean, it was, it wasn't anything where like, I was like ashamed of it or felt like I had like outgrown it or anything like that. It just really wasn't working with the whole corporate thing. I mean, I think there were a lot of things I probably would have kept because I love to dye my hair you know, and everything like that. And I probably would have done a lot more of that. I continue to do a lot more of it if I hadn't started working into a corporate field, but I got into banking. So. Yeah. It's like, we have been talking about, you know, outside of this podcast, just seasons changing. Um, like for me personally, I'm about to cut my hair off. I have a lot of hair. It's big and it's beautiful and people love it. But like I'm past the season of having long hair and like spending time spending like half a day doing my hair like i don't want to do that anymore so i'm just going to cut it all off um but you know seasons change things you know life changes and i don't i flipped it up so much with my hair because i i remember like even just in one year like my senior year i ended up having to because my first set of pictures came out really bad i was really really sick um right before the pictures were taken and everything and then just all of them i looked like I had been throwing up all night. Like, I mean, I, my eyes were like weak and everything. Aww. And I was like, I can't go into thing like this. And so like a week later, I took my pictures. My first set of pictures, my hair was like long and down to my shoulders and dark and it was relaxed. Like back then, especially in a small town where I was and going to a predominantly white high school, very few girls had natural hair. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have it. I kind of always wanted to, but I was really, I was really afraid um, because the only girls that really seemed to have natural hair were the ones that had a certain type of hair. So, right. you know, a curly three C type of hair or whatever. And it was like, you know, if you didn't have, you know, quote unquote good hair or whatever, you really didn't go natural or whatever. Cause people just gave people so much crap for it. And I just, mm-hmm. there was enough for people to give you crap for a period with it just being high school, you know, and a lot of people didn't like me for things that I couldn't control. So I just kind of let that go or whatever. But now like, Having natural hair is fantastic. And even my senior year. So I went from having like long, dark hair in one picture to like the next time I went, I t- retook my pictures a week later, it was like honey blonde and cut short, like a Halle Berry cut short. Hmm. And that was just like over the course of a week or whatever. But I've become so much more comfortable with my hair. And I used to be so concerned about length and, 
you know, and this and that and the third or whatever. And now I just want healthy hair. I enjoy it being natural. I embrace it being natural now or whatever. And I'm ready to, I don't want to cut my hair, but I'm ready to throw some color in there and get my ends dusted up and everything and just kind of let, let it, let it go how it will. I feel that. I feel that too. I'm thinking about coloring my hair. I'm not entirely sure yet, but um, we have veered so far off topic now. (laughs) (laughs) But anything else to add to the 2000s? Any music, fashion, anything else you want to say to the people? Not really. Uh, The 2000s were a fun time. You know, it had its ups and downs, but you know, here we are, we've made it through it um, and we're better people for it. You know, Yep, good That's times. That's pretty much all I got at this point. Fun music. Rest in peace to LimeWire. I don't even, it, maybe it's still a thing. I don't know. But that's how I was getting a bunch of my music. Back I feel like it might be a thing. I feel like Napster is still a thing too. But you know, they've gone like legitimate. Right. Uh, like no, I was, a nefarious place it was to get back your music. In, it was back in the day when it took you like hours to download one song. And then you find out it's a remix that you've never heard of before. Or it's not the right. song that you that they said it was going to be. So rest in peace to LimeWire. And you better hope that nobody called the house while you were trying to dial right. the house. Right, because the house and broke the connection, then <laughs> you had to start all the way over again. Oh my god! Yeah, we had dial up all the way through. I had it all the way through high school because we lived out in the country, and Same. you couldn't. Yeah, it it sucks so bad. So good times, good music, good people, and everything. Good memories. We'll definitely be talking a whole lot more about the two thousands. We'll get into some TV shows, um, get into some movies and some different characters from back then, get into some, even some cartoons and everything that came back out then in future episodes. But -hmm. if there's anything that you want to talk about, we can keep the conversation going on Twitter or Instagram. Again, we're at Nostalgia Mix Pod there. Use the hashtag Nostalgia Mix Pod. Keep the conversation going. If you have any questions, any suggestions, anything like that for us, hit us up on email, nostalgiamixpod at gmail.com. So, you know, tweet us, email us, Hit us up on Instagram. We'd love to keep the conversation going and everything like that. If you have any show suggestions or um, if you're even thinking about maybe wanting to jump on and join us on a podcast one day. Right now, we're still trying to get everything together and kind of build up our flow, get a good pattern and stuff like that going, get some viewership. Well, not viewership, but listenership built up. And so once we get to that point, we'd love to start bringing some people on. I mean, we already do have a few people in mind. So stay tuned for that in the future. And we will see you guys later. Have a wonderful week. And we will see you next time. Bye, everyone.